0: I want to thank you for taking this time, especially so early in the morning. I won't tell everybody what time it is, 3 o'clock in the morning. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for coming in and being on the podcast. Um, I've known you for many years. Um, I taught one of your daughters. I taught your daughter. My daughter. Yes. I taught oh your yeah daughter. Yeah. And I met your father. Yes. I met your father. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But before we talk about anything outside yeah. of you, let's
1: talk about you. Okay, okay, tell me where you were born. Um Sure. Um, sure, I was uh, born in uh, Japan, I was born in Tokyo, and my father had grown up on a farm in Pennsylvania, in Valley Forge, and he had not really had much exposure to Asia. But he, and, uh, he graduated from Princeton in the 1950s, and he was recruited by a certain agency on the south side of the Potomac River, and came here. And he was, uh, that's why I was born here, was because my father was in the CIA. Okay. And he fell in love with Japan. What was his job in the CIA, do you know? Uh, I do, um, it's, he doesn't really talk about it much, but uh, he had a facility with languages and they stuffed him full of Japanese language and Chinese language and he followed people that were speaking Chinese and were up to no good in Japan in the okay. 1950s. I used to make a joke because um, parts of this are true. Um, the, it's reported that the CIA paid a $5 million contribution to the Liberal Party and Democratic Party so that they would merge. Mm-hmm. And I described my father's job as after-sales support. Okay. <laughs> to make sure that the, that the LDP mer- state merged. Right. When people in neighboring countries may have been seeking for Right. instability.
0: And that was a time when they had a lot of agents in Japan. It seemed like everybody well, from I, I was Russia, Well, I was only one, China. so I know No, but really. I just know the history. Yeah, yeah. There so there were a lot of people. It was a, this it was right. a fertile environment.
1: It was. But he uh, loved it, and uh, he supposedly left the agency and went and got a PhD, and one of the professors he knew became an ambassador under Kennedy, so he came back and was the, um, a bag carrier for Mr. Reichauer in the Reichauer Embassy in the 1960s. And you might know a fellow in Tokyo called Joe Schmelzeis, who no, was uh, an assistant to um, Ambassador Haggerty. Anyways, my father was one of the first assistants who was uh, an American who reported only to the ambassador. And so he, wor- he worked with Reichauer. So I see So I was born in 57, okay. and then w- we were back in the US for part of his PhD and back here, so back and forth a whole bunch of times, so zero to seven. Zero to seven. Are I you would, the only child? No, I'm the oldest of six oldest of sit- You're the first child. I'm the first child. I'm, as my brothers say, I'm the beta version. There you go. Yeah, my father worked out yeah. his aggression. So
0: how old is your father now?
1: He's 89. 89, doing well. Very He's healthy. doing very well. Um, he is uh, uh, living in Georgetown. He's had a career as, uh, after he left the embassy, he was a journalist for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he was an academic for a while. And then he ran the U.S. Japan Foundation. Okay, were you close with your father? Um, we both are specialized in Japan. I wouldn't say that we're particularly close, but I see a lot of him. Um, I think uh, he's um, uh, been more involved in academic and government stuff. I've been more involved in business stuff, so we haven't overlapped that much.
0: Right, right. I mean, so growing up,
1: I mean, was he, was he present in your life a lot, or was he busy? He was present for a while, and then he was less present. Um, my parents divorced when I was a teenager, and then he wasn't very much around. I know you're, How's your mother doing? She's doing very well, thanks. Um, She's—they uh, both remarried, and um, they both have had successful after marriages, so to speak. Okay. And so uh, uh, they are um, both interested in Japanese and come across it, come to Japan a lot. Yeah. Right.
0: So between your mother and your father, they just had you, or did you have? They had, you had six
1: had children together.
0: Your mother and father did. Yeah. It? Wow. And you're the oldest of six. Okay. Seven kids. So your mother, what did she do?
1: Was she? She um, she was primarily a homemaker. You know, she's one of these uh, characters that you only meet from the 1950s She got married when she was 19. I was born when she was 22 and she doesn't have a college education But she speaks fluent Japanese, but she's you know, she's the homemaker and uh, she comes back and and Uh, She gets very interested because she's got lots of people to put through school. So Mm -hmm. she runs for the local school board. So she's Mm -hmm. a successful politician. Mm -hmm. Um, She's the only successful politician Mm -hmm. who's run several times. Um, She's been the trustee of several private schools. She has been um, uh, uh, running a real estate business, Mm -hmm. um, renting out a property. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's one of those things where people just say, oh, she's a 1950s homemaker. But when you dig underneath the surface... You find all the stuff she's really done. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, what I like to say, similar to being like a swan
0: on water. Yeah. On the top, it looks like they're barely moving, but underneath those little feet are just really paddling. Uh, that's a good image, yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. Let me ask, so what was your childhood growing up? Did you? Go, how long did you live in Japan? Zero, to, from the age of zero, zero to seven. To seven. So, so did you go to Japanese school or did you go I there?
1: went to um, the Happy Hill, the Happy Hill Yochien, and, <laughs> and I don't <laughs> remember much about Happy Hill, the famous Japanese expression, the Happy Hill, and okay. I don't know where that was. I went to the um, old St. Mary's School on Daiichi Keihin. Daiichi Keihin, wow. And it's now an NTT data center. Okay. And it's right near um, Takanawa Gateway Station. And one of the joys of my life was I'd been hearing, as coming back as an adult, about the power of the St. Mary's Mafia and the St. Mary's alumni group. It's very, right, very, very that's powerful. Right, that's right, that's right. And my wife has a. Um, I consider it humorous. She likes to say that if a husband and wife stand together at a cocktail reception, it's clear that they are both social failures because they don't have anyone else to talk to. So if I go to a reception, she immediately goes away from me. Just to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But your wife's Japanese. Yes. And so you can imagine my astonishment at an embassy reception when she comes up right next to me and wants to talk to me and says she wants to introduce me to Paul. Paul? I who and what's going on? Because you never talk to me in an embassy reception. This is like we're, we're going downhill socially. Right. So I meet this <laughs> I meet this tall, handsome, athletic Asian American, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and, he's, and we're kind of wondering why we're being introduced. He thinks he's God, and I think I'm God. There's only room for one God, and so you know it's two American males. Right. right, right. And um, he looks at my card and he says, Packard. I used to know a Packard. He had white blonde hair, which I did have. I was I was completely blonde hair as. It was Paul Yonamine, the president of IBM, who was my classmate at St. Mary's, and he said, "Well, once a St. Mary's man, you're always a St. Mary's man." And so Paul got me back in. I've now discovered that my classmate is Tony Calla, the manager of this (laughs) club, whom I hired. And um, uh, Paul got me involved, and I now have 150 friends, which I didn't know I had. Brothers that I didn't know I had, and we had. Thanks to Paul, I had a wonderful 60th conreki party. I went to St. Mary's for first and second grade, and that's, that's, that's And that's uh, that's more about Paul Hyonamine than me, but Anthony, and, Tony. Mm-hmm. and um, Tony they're really lovely people. So yeah. uh, St. Mary's, I didn't know there would be a gift that kept giving, but that was part of my childhood. Wow. So after
0: that, where'd you go? When you and then we went to
1: um, uh, back to America. I lived in McLean, Virginia, which is near Washington D.C., mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then we moved to Philadelphia, um, kind of where my parents are from. Mm-hmm. My father's from Valley Forge, uh, a farm, an agricultural area outside of Philadelphia. and My mother's from a college area. There's a Villanova College, Villanova University, Bryn Mawr, Haverford, that area. So that's yeah. where we grew up outside of. And then that's where I lived until I went to college. Right. And then you were telling me,
0: because of what I told you I did last night with my family, we held hands yeah. for the first time yeah. at, a, at a
1: dinner. And, and I told you how I went about speaking, tell me. So Pennsylvania is uh, one of the original colonies and it was founded by Mr. Penn. And Sylvan, or Sylvania means woods. So it's Penn's woods, he got us, if you look at Pennsylvania, it's a square box. Mm-hmm. They just drew it on a map. You get this box, Mr. <laughs> Penn. And he was a religious refugee from England. So he comes in the 1600s and f- has a Quaker colony. So I have Quaker ancestors from Pennsylvania. And um, Quaker, it's an old religion, but it's also, I think, a very modern religion, for suitable for those of us who have faith, but we don't really like the church leaders. Right. And we don't like the, the, the sort of the dogma, the way a lot of Christians act today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, I love some of the aspects of it called the Quaker friends. So they don't have a church, they have a friends meeting. So instead of having a Quaker religious school, they'll have it the, the Quaker friends school, or Germantown friends, or... Um, Roppongi friends. Mm-hmm. And so one of the wo- wonderful things I love is the way that they uh, pray together, which is that they take hands right. around the table and everyone holds hands and we say, well, 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 here we are together. And it's a Quaker grace that I grew up with. So you used to do that. Well, your yeah. parents weren't Quakers, were they? My cousins or grand, people in my life, so you go. So sometimes you go there when you went to visit, yeah. then yeah. you'd end up yeah. being a part of that. Yeah. So, fast forward, my father is um, in the 1980s looking, t- he's, he's the dean of a graduate school at Johns Hopkins called SAIS, the School of Advanced International Studies, and international studies meant looking at Europe, looking at mm-hmm. Atlantic, and he wanted to say, well, we ought to look at Asia. In the 1980s, that was considered radical, to look at Japan well, and Asia China. So he wanted to establish connections here. And one connection is the International University Kokusai Daigaku in Niigata. But he wants to establish something in the old southern capital of um, Nanjing. And Nan is south in Chinese and Jing is uh, like uh, Kyo. So it's like Tokyo is eastern capital, Nanjing Mm -hmm. is southern capital. Mm -hmm. And um, he's going around and around with the Chinese uh, authorities about establishing a relationship, and it's very, very communist. And they said, do you have any, do you have any, does your family have any sort of relations with China? And the early American relations were through missionaries. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that um, uh, he said, well, I did have a a relative, but we don't really know what happened to him. Um, He was sort of considered the black sheep in the family because he was here in the 1930s and apparently he chose the wrong side the American version of the wrong side are the communists. You might remember (laughs) the communists are in power. And it turns out that um, this distant relative, this Quaker missionary had seen the Nanjing Massacre going on and hidden somebody in his garden who became Zhou Enlai, the foreign minister with Mao Zedong. And so he had saved a famous communist leader by just doing the right thing as a Quaker, just the and, um, suddenly, all the school was approved, and Johns Hopkins has a sister university relationship with Nanjing because of mm-hmm. this uh, because, uh, of th- because of this Quaker relative that did something. So that was interesting. My father doesn't really emphasize uh, in the 1970s well, and 80s. It wasn't really popular to emphasize that he spoke Chinese. I've seen him speak Chinese. I've seen him speak Chinese to people, but um, he didn't want to really emphasize that he aspect of yeah. his uh, that aspect of his life and. Um, I think that uh, for a long time the family downplayed what he actually did and why I was born here. I used mm-hmm. to just say he was in the army. In, oh, fact, in, in, really? in fact when Is I met Is that something he would tell you to say? that was what we said. Okay, in, in, in fact when I met you right fifteen years ago, I was still telling people in the military you said, Well I was in the military too. That's right saying, and, yeah, yeah. and I just sort of and then I shuffled off and admired your your basketball skills or admired your I didn't son's and gymnastics. And Jim, 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 gymnastics, thought, yeah, I don't know how to play yeah, basketball. Yeah.
0: yeah. Flying through the air. (laughs) (laughs) But tell me this, I remember I was sitting down with your father and we had a very long conversation. Mm -hmm. And then we start talking about Mrs. Matsukata. Because he was was very
1: overconfident because he knew uh, her sister, who was Mrs. Reischauer. So my father, so Tane Matsukata's sister. She was married to
0: Reischauer, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: so my father mistakenly thought he knew everything about the Matsukata family. And you were gently telling him he didn't. Okay, and I didn't realize that because I was
0: very close with Matskadasan, san and we would talk all the time by her fireplace. And she told me things about her epilepsy. Because I asked her why, she, I'm very probing sometimes. So I was asking her why she never married and she told me because she has epilepsy. And I said, so why? She said she didn't. she thought it would be too much of a burden on her husband and if they had kids. She was worried that if something happened. So she has thousands of kids as a result of that, but that was her biggest concern
1: and so my father Hana's grandfather know. comes to see the gymnastics class with He's saying professor Lee himself. and you come over and you're very people-oriented and You realize that he's kind of old to be a dad and mm-hmm. he, you and you just pick up that he's a granddad right. and my father was uh, a trustee of uh, Nishibi- Nishimachi. Nishimachi a while ago. He's very yeah. close to Rick Dyke, okay, and um, Rick actually met my father in the 60s Rick has known my father for 50 years. Rick was a k- Harvard student, and, and Reischauer used to be a Harvard professor. They met when my father was working for Reischauer. Right, right. So uh, my father thought that he knew everything about the Matsukatas. And um, you were gently able to add to his information because he had no idea
0: right.
1: um, about. But what an interesting family. Uh, Haru Matsukata Reischauer was a journalist. Mm-hmm. And she, she also thought she would never get married. And there's, there were these bright women. Were, right. Mr. Reischauer had a uh, wife who died of cancer and mm-hmm. three young children. Mm-hmm. And um, he wanted a mother for them. And he wanted someone that he could talk to. And she was very intellectual and very, hotter like Tane, mm-hmm. the, these uh, wonderful Mazzucato ladies.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's wonderful, that's a wonderful history. So when you told me that, I was really surprised. Especially the fact that you told me you're CIA. So that really shocked me. My goodness. So what, So
1: tell me, so what have you done in Japan? What are you doing in Japan? Well, I know, I know a little bit of it. So I came in the 1980s. Um, I was working on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father had done academics and government and policy, and I was more on the business side. And in the 1980s, Japan was booming mm-hmm. and it was beginning to boom. And unbelievably, the investment bank I worked for, uh, it doesn't exist anymore, it's called, what's called Payne-Weber, could not find anybody to go to Tokyo in the 1980s. -hmm. And so I was promoted well above my peers just to give me a nice title, and I suddenly showed up um, completely underqualified in Tokyo and was part of the financial services here. I thought I'd be here for three months or six months, but as you and I are both examples, once you're here, we're still here. Met wonderful Keiko, who I'm still married to, 32 years later, and that turned into a career in finance, which was six years in Tokyo and then 12 years in Hong Kong, So five years of British Hong Kong and seven years of Chinese Hong Kong. And then back here 18 years ago. So um, I've been uh, involved in alternative investments. So these are things that are not stocks and bonds. Mm -hmm. So they're private equity or venture capital or real estate. They might be considered too risky for average people to invest in. Average people are just supposed to buy stocks and bonds. And uh, it has been a, a fascinating time in Japan because they want Higher returns and they Mm -hmm. have low interest rates here. Mm -hmm. So I help Japanese institutions, not individuals. I'm not dealing with general investors, but banks or insurance companies or um, trust banks Mm -hmm. to uh, invest overseas. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm involved in finance and that involves securities brokerage Mm -hmm. and investment advisory. And uh, of course, the uh, pandemic has changed lots of business models I imagine. Yeah. so uh, we've closed one business and uh, Mm -hmm. we're reorganizing and uh, my colleagues and I are excited about what the future has Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. but you've always been a very positive person I've always known you to be that way no matter how
0: bad it was because you've come to me for a couple of a couple of times yeah and we've always talked and always worked it
1: out and I've always admired you for that well I've always admired you as a a person I, I remember you thinking that you had some fantastic uh business I believe it was uh Renovating or moving out modern uh, uh, hospital equipment, CT scanners, and, uh, CT scanners, mm-hmm. and then the 1989 war came, <laughs> and you were exposed in a in, in a certain way, and and, oh. and um, <laughs> hey, you remember that story. That was you have to be uh, careful. I'm 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 a flytrap. I do right. I do remember your stories, and oh. because they inspire me, and Not because you, they inspire me about resilience. People, it's very t- you know trendy words that I don't even know what they mean anymore, resilience or agile. or right, 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 right. There's my friend, he got th- he got blown out of an apartment on the 12th floor, and my friend Lance Lee, he landed and went, <coughs> darn, picked himself <laughs> up and dusted himself <laughs> off, I want to be that guy, so um, you're a little bit ahead of me in years, no, no, and no. someone that I uh, look, no. look up to and say, well, if he can dust himself off, you mm-hmm. know, when we have a hard landing, just get up and do it mm-hmm. again. Yeah.
0: I want guess. people to know the kind of person you are and your father. I never knew how rich his history was, and and is
1: obviously. land your wife now—does your wife work? She's very much involved with education, mm-hmm. and she—I would describe her as an education consultant. Like, if you really are honest about people, everyone's an individual. It's hard to say you're an entrepreneur. Well, you're more than that. Or you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're an athletics teacher. Mm-hmm. In her case. She had a series of uh, activities in Hong Kong, which really distressed her and propelled her into her current career, is that she would meet Japanese people in Hong Kong who would say, uh, I'm Japanese, I don't need to mix with the local people. And there's this very strong t- 20,000, 30,000 Japanese community in Happy Valley living very very Japanese lives, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Japanese food, Japanese shops, mm-hmm. Japanese uh, schools. and. Then she would meet other people that would say, I don't know anything about the harvest. I don't know anything about Osechi Riori. I can't. So she would meet these two kinds of Japanese, one that would be very Mm uninternational, and one that would be, um, I don't even know my own country. And so she started getting into teaching cultural lessons. She went and got a master's degree at Hong Kong University in Asian art. And uh, she started to notice something It's interesting, you speak very good Japanese, you know the word for play is Asobi, Asobi, and they actually have a word very similar, it's a slang word in both countries and it means the same thing. When the steering wheel is not tight on the old cars, we would say it had play in the wheel, Mm -hmm. they have also Asobi in the wheel. And Japanese culture and Chinese culture, Chinese culture is very uh, ordered and rectilinear. Mm -hmm. The only town in all of Japan with uh, right angle streets is Kyoto. It's what? very Chinese, it's imitating Xi'an. But the Japanese like a little bit of off. So, you know, the, the, the circle, which is cut off, the or stripes. the square with the t- corner cut off. Right, 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 and right. so it, it's asobi, it's just mm-hmm. and, and it's a little bit off. And uh, it, it's a very mm-hmm. different thing. So the Japanese love cherry blossoms mm-hmm. because they're so light and they're only there for the moment. The right. Chinese love plum, which is very strong, and d- the blossoms don't blow off and it right. weathers the storm, both are important. Don't have attachment and don't, have, um, and don't give up easily. Right. And so she came back and she started this uh, theory, you can be Japanese and you can be international. So th- she has this group, her maiden name was Imai, mm-hmm. And both the Packards, she and I, suffer a bad sense of humor. So you would put her initials together, she would be KIP, Keiko Imai Packard. And so she wanted to be the ticket for internationalization. So remember the old green t- subway tickets we used to have with yes, the corner yes, right, turned right, off? Yes. She thought that the corner ripped off was very Japanese. It's, it's, very it's, nice. it's, it's sort of like an Asobi. Ah. And so that's the logo, it's, it's the subway ticket. She's the ticket to internationalization. And so they have KIP Kids, K-I-P, K-I-P. Really? and she, K-I-P. Has, she has both a foundation and an Nippon an on Hojin. Mm-hmm. And it is for Kanto area universities. And they do a a cycle where in April, at the beginning of the school year, these university kids who are from all different universities, they don't want to have the Mombu Gakusho retirees doing the English club at Todai. They want to talk about real issues. And so they come up with a project, they research it and then they uh, make a report in March. So they've, she's been doing this for 12 years. They discovered and they choose really interesting topics. Did you know that internationalization in Japan, it's such a big thing. They want to have international education. And the Monbougak show says, we want 300,000 Japanese studying overseas and 300,000 foreigners here. Mm-hmm. But they only pay for the foreigners coming in. Great. Did you know <laughs> that um, Keio University students can study at Harvard, but they don't get credit? Harvard students can study at Keio, but they do get credit. I didn't know that. And, and so th- th- they have this asymmetry. They want internationalization, but they don't want to give up their japanese Another project that they did was after Fukushima, which was in March, mm-hmm. they started their, their cycle in April, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they discovered that there's no FEMA here, there's no Federal Emergency Management Association. And you can see it with the pandemic, there's no FEMA, there's no emergency management, it's just give it to the military. Mm-hmm. That's their... Def- yeah, default. They have floods. Default, right? they have landslides, they have earthquakes. They're you might think that they would have an emergency mm-hmm. some of her book some of her she produces a book in english and japanese every mm-hmm. may and uh some of it's gone to the conte some of it's gone um these reports and some of the there have been uh, people from Dai from the defense ministry mm-hmm. and now that she's done it for 12 years people are in senior positions in goldman sachs nhk television mckinsey because they speak english and they're really caring about the world and so what do you think people
0: are in those organizations that came from her yeah. organization?
1: Yeah, so she's kind of like an after-school group for you kids who are in university. Okay. And um, so I, th- I think she's involved in education. She says she's involved in social problems. I said you're involved in social solutions, not the problems. And so they, oh, they oh, that's keep, beautiful. And I think that uh, Japanese don't ask a lot of young people, so these kids get responsibility. Think about your project, they get to interview. Mm-hmm. Ambassadors, mm-hmm. business leaders, mm-hmm. and it's resonated with people, um, b- very uh, uh, strong diplomats. Um, mm-hmm. A number of our friends, uh, Mr. Takashima, Mr. Numata, a number of you and my mutual friends, de- retired diplomats right, 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 have been right, very right. engaged with her, oh um, and uh, they've engaged with university students around the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. was um, quite a uh, of Mr. and Mrs. Roos. And um, uh, <laughs> my wife is, has a distinctive personality, as all women do. And she, her first meeting with Susie Roos, she got into an argument with her. Mm-hmm. And they're meeting at a tea, and Mrs. Roos is going around shaking hands with the ladies right. and says to Keiko, What do you do? And she says, I'm involved with education. And Mrs. Roos said, My husband would be interested in meeting you. And Keiko said, No, he wouldn't. And they got into an argument about whether Ambassador Roos would be interested in meeting Keiko. And Mrs. Roos said, I like you, and dragged her. I met John Roos about 25 times. He's a lovely man, but he never bothered to learn my name. My name, he would greet me and say, we've met before. My British friends would ask me, so what did you study in college? And I would say, American history. And they'd say, of course, because it's so short compared to British history. But Americans are very ahistorical. And what you've just described, and this is all going out, definitely, (laughs) is... The short-mindedness. Most Americans think that history began with me when I became president, when I became.
0: Isn't that something?
1: And um, it's interesting because there are some, um, I'm very aware, having lived for most of my life in Japanese culture and Chinese culture, how young American culture is. Mm -hmm. It becomes
0: really evident when you're outside of your country. And I think when you get outside the forest, you can finally see the
1: trees. And this is definitely, definitely, Mr. Definitely, yeah. But um, I find that Americans are obsessed with people in their twenties. Second wives, breast jobs, you know, getting in lycra, you know, all this stuff. Americans want to be twenty two again, twenty five. I was a jerk when I was twenty five. So was I. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm hopefully a little bit wiser. But to get old is to be admired in Japan. To get old is to be discarded in America. Isn't there something and I I don't I don't think it's an accident that you and I who have options Choose to spend our silver years mm-hmm. in Japan, right? Because it's a good thing to be a silver person in Japan, don't you think so? And less That's true. less in America. That's right. Um, you can uh, try this: go to a company and say, "Where's the senior person?" It's not the branch manager; it's the oldest person. Senior has a special thing, and you and I are seniors. Right. But um, I'm 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 sad, but I'm not surprised that your story. Mm-hmm. Now we can go back on live. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting, that is so, so interesting. So what do you see for yourself in the future? I know you're very positive positive. Um, you have nothing but blue skies ahead. Uh, I see um, uh, Japan as uh, being a surprising winner in terms of the environment stakes. There's gonna be a lot of, um, I think, military adventurism around water and rivers. Things like the Mekong River, which ends up in Vietnam, flows through nine countries and the the snow, the water comes out of the Tibetan Plateau, which is owned by China. Mm -hmm. And so there's gonna be a lot of fighting over water. Mm -hmm. Well, as we've seen this year, uh, Japan has no shortage of rain and water. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. I think Japan is blessed with all sorts of incredible natural resources in terms of wind, Mm -hmm. in terms of um, uh, solar, in terms of geothermal. So I think in terms of those kind of uh, industries, I think that uh, Japan has really prioritized certain industries which people forget that America even made televisions or made cars Mm -hmm. or did things. And they've said that those are strategic. So you see Toyota's not called, the name of the company is Toyota Motors, but they emphasize mobility and not motors. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I think that Japan, um, it's trendy to dismiss Japan as it has been. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, for example, in my area, finance, now the Tokyo Stock Exchange has 14 applications for companies that might have chosen Hong Kong or New York. But compared to the turmoil, so these Chinese companies are being kicked off the New York Stock Exchange, and these uh, they're looking at Japan as, wow, they've got rule of law, they've got lots of savings, um, they uh, really want to do the right thing, they've improved corporate governance. Our mutual friend Nick Bennis and some mm-hmm. other people have mm-hmm. been very involved in that. And so I think Japan's gonna be a surprising winner mm-hmm. in in the the. The stakes—it's fascinating. After um, a bumpy few years with the former president of the United States, both countries have changed leaders, and Mr. Suga's administration and Mr. Biden's administration both have green platforms, mm-hmm. net zero carbon. And I think Japan has a partner in America. And um, of course, I'm biased. It's our—it's our—it's what our family does: get mm-hmm. Japan and America together. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that that uh, it's going to be a great place here. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about. Um, some reactions in japan that think that foreigners bring uh, covid bring problems and stuff Mm -hmm. i think uh, japan is not perfect and there's a place for people like you and me who love both countries Mm -hmm. are married into both countries Mm -hmm. to um, uh, play a role so i i see um, it'll be a great place to grow together with you
0: Mm. thank you so much for being on the podcast frank i couldn't think of anyone better to have on than you and i hope it's not the last time it won't be Good, I'm okay. good. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Remember, it's all on moon. Keep reaching for the stars, and you're too blessed to be stressed. <laughs>